0: I want to share a timeline with you a second in a second about what happened on Easter morning. If you left your Bible home, just raise your hand. We'll get one to you right now because you're going to be looking in the Scriptures. Also, some of you have asked me uh, about the Good Friday service. We had such a powerful Good Friday service here. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. And some of you asked me if you could have the video because what happens is we do a live video cast. And then when the new webcast, like right, we're doing a webcast right now, And I know you're watching, and I'm wondering why you're not in church. Um, We know people are watching because it tells us, you know. Pretty soon we're going to get their IP addresses and their real addresses. And we're going to send ushers to the house and make sure there's a good reason. But um, so then when we have the new webcast, the other one goes away. And some of you said you wanted to give that webcast to other people. We're going to archive that. We'll let you know this week. How to get a hold of that because Friday was just so powerful here. Oh my gosh. The Holy Spirit just revealed stuff to us that was absolutely amazing. Um and this last good Friday was actually the same day as Passover. And then Saturday there was a blood moon. You know, so everybody's like, do 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 do, you know. It's you know, Jesus is coming back, right? But he didn't yet. We're still here right now. Okay, so So as long as he hasn't come back, we still do what we do. Amen? But he is coming back. He is coming back. But I want to give you a timeline of Easter morning, and uh, we'll do that in a moment. Let's pray first. Heavenly Father, I just praise you and thank you for every person here, especially the new visitors, Lord. I pray that you would speak to them special today. I also pray for those that maybe they haven't been in church in a while and, and, and they've run back to church today. I pray that you would touch their heart. Most of all, I pray for those that don't know your son, Jesus, that aren't sure that if they died, they'd spend eternity with you. I pray that they would receive you today. Father, we had two people at the first service come to know you. I pray for more in this service. I pray that those that don't know you would leave with you in their heart. I pray if anyone came in depressed, oppressed, lonely, even maybe feeling suicidal, whatever those feelings might be of emptiness, that you would fill it with your love. I pray if anyone came in here sick in their body, they would leave with a word for healing. I pray if anyone came in here in financial distress, that they would leave today with no stress. I pray that you speak through me, Lord, right now. Speak to your people. I just want to be a conduit, Lord. Holy Spirit, fill me. and Speak through me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, each gospel has a different... um, outlook or interpretation or whatever you want to call it of the events, the morning of the resurrection. And some people will say, well, why don't they all tell the same story? Then why would we need four of them? If if every gospel said the same thing about everything, then people would say, look, it was rehearsed. I'm here to tell you that everything in the Bible is perfect. And when you go through the timeline and study it yourself, you will see God's amazing, amazing plan in everything he does. And here's the thing about God and his word. You can look in it and look in it and look in it. Oh, the depths of the riches, the wisdom of God, how unsearchable are his ways. You'll never know it all. And that's how you keep the relationship going. Imagine if you knew everything about your wife. Well, that, that is isn't imagine because you never will. But that's the whole idea of love, to continue to learn more. And that's, Randy, how we do, that's how we love God. We learn more and more and more. But it says that a group of women, Mary being one of them, sets out to spice the body of Jesus. See, they went out to spice up the body of Jesus because they hadn't finished burying Jesus. You know why? Because he died two hours or two or three hours before the Sabbath. So they buried him really quickly, it says in the Gospels, because once the Sabbath comes, they can't do anything. They're Jews. How many of you know that, you know, Orthodox Jew, when the sun sets, that's it. They can't do anything. So they rushed to get him off the cross, bury him. So the next day, the Sunday morning, the day after the Sabbath, they went out early, it says, to go and finish the burial of Jesus. And, of course, the women did it, you know, because the women are the ones that get up early. And do what's got to be done. Right, ladies? Can I get an amen? Even though I've been getting up before you. When I worked on Wall Street, I used to get up at 10 to 6 every day. And, and she would just be, ah. But then she had to take care of six kids. So I don't know what happened after that. But when I left, everything looked fine. Now, I get up and she's, ah. Ah. And I go have my coffee, and she's, ah. Not all the time. So a group of women, am I okay? Am I right? I I hear you laughing, but I just want to make sure. Okay. So it says in Mark 16, verse 1, when the Sabbath was passed, that Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Okay. So... This is what happens next in Matthew 28. Sometime before they get there, this is what happens. There's an earthquake. So, behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door. You know, we've seen the tomb in Israel that they believe was Jesus's. What they would do is they would roll a stone in a groove in front of the tomb so nobody can mess with it, Okay. And just to let you know that Jesus wasn't buried in some, you know, old grave with a little stick there. No, he was in a tomb. It it cost money. Jesus had friends with money. Just know that, okay? And it says that an angel sat on it, and his countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. So, So they're going to spice up the dead body. All of a sudden, there's an earthquake, okay? We don't know if they felt the tremor or not. But there was an earthquake and the stone is moved by an angel and then the angel sits on it. <laughs> I love it. The angel moves it and then he sits on it. And look what happens when he sits on it. The guards, the Roman guards that were guarding it, shook for fear of him and they became like dead men. Ever been scared to death? No? Ever been scared to death? Well, you just froze, you paralyzed? Ever have a gun pointed near you? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Telling me too much about you. They were scared to death. I want to see that. I hope this video is in heaven. Can I have the Blu-ray player? I want to watch the angel stone thing when the people are scared to death. They get scared. They leave. They're like, oh, I'm not guarding this thing anymore. There's some big dude sitting on the stone dressed in I can't help but think the angel was just smiling. <laughs> Run, little people. Run, little people. So they run away. Then in John chapter 20, verse 1, we see that on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. So when you first read this, it looks like, oh, there's a discrepancy. You know, Mary went herself. While it was still dark, she even went. The other one says that they went at daybreak, but that's not true. What happened was Mary was the first one to go. She met the other ladies. She was like, I'll be right over. Oh, no, they didn't have phones. Um, I'll be right over. <laughs> met the other ladies, and then daybreak started to come, and they went to the tomb. And uh, they saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb, and then she ran. Who ran? Mary. Mary ran. Luke 24.3. Then they went in. Who's they? That's the ladies besides Mary. And did not find the body of Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this that behind two men stood by them in shining garments. They got afraid, bowed their faces to the earth, and they said, Why do you? And the angel said to them, or the two men, it says here, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. But is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he's still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. So these ladies were the first ones to hear anything about where Jesus might be. Then we have Mark 16, verses 5 through 7. And entering the tomb, they saw, okay, here's the ladies again, a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side. So it says they saw one man on the right side of where Jesus laid. It doesn't say there wasn't two men. It just says they saw the one man because each writer is bringing something out to teach us something. You know, sometimes you tell a story and there's like three people there, but you only mention one of the people that was there. And somebody else tells the story and mentions everybody that was there. So there's no contradiction here. It's just that God is teaching us different things through different gospels. So he says, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See, this guy tells something totally different than we just read. So this is another part of the story. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples of Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Amen. And that leaves us to where we're looking right here today and that's in John chapter 20. So open your Bibles there because I want you to look at your Bibles. Open your Bibles in church because if you don't open your Bibles in church, you certainly don't open them in home. If you're not opening a Bible at church, you're definitely not opening it at home, for sure. Because church is the one place you know that you're going to be hearing the inspirational Word of God, the anointed Word of God. It's the time where we gather together And the corporate anointing is more powerful than at any other time. So it's the time your eyes should be in the Scripture. Do you feel guilty? Because I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. And by the way, I'm not mad just to let you know. Sometimes I, like, preach with a lot of passion and people go, I think think he's mad. I'm not mad. You'll know when I'm mad. My kids can tell you when I'm (laughs) mad. They they know what it looks like when I'm mad. John chapter 20, and in verse 2 it says this. That Mary ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So you see the and we, right? She's talking about the ladies that she came with. She ran, and guess what? She said, we don't, she spoke for the other women and said, we don't know where he is, but guess what? The other women did know because the angels told them. But she was just speaking on her own behalf. She said, "She said we don't know where they have laid him. It says she ran to them. And so here's what happens. In verse 3, Peter went out and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb, and it says in verse 4, that they both ran. There's a whole lot of running going on here. I mean, it was Mary and Peter and John, were they like track stars? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going through it, and I'm like running. Everybody's running. And it reminded me of people, because people are all running. Everybody's running to something. But if you're running to something that isn't Jesus, you're running to nothing. Let me say that again. <laughs> Everybody's running to something. But if you're running to something that isn't Jesus, you're running to nothing. Listen, naked you came into the world, and naked as a jaybird, you're leaving this world. Some image just came into my head. It was a naked jaybird, but jaybirds don't have clothes. Listen, I I love, you know what reminds me of the movie The Terminator? You know when The Terminator shows up and he's naked? You're like, get some clothes on. Well, unless you're a woman and you see Arnold Schwarzenegger there, and you're like, well, Take a moment. But, <laughs> and then, no, he comes in naked, and when you die, you don't even take your clothes with you. Amen? When they went into the tomb, the, Jesus' clothes, the, what they had wrapped them in was laying there. You don't take it with you. You come in naked, you leave naked. So what you do here, what you do here, nothing that you gain or chase after here can you take with you. I was on Wall Street for a long time. I know, I have friends who are billionaires, 100 millionaires, 10 millionaires, chasing money, chasing things, and guess what in the end they have? Nothing. My favorite bumper sticker is this. He who has the most toys in the end wins? Nothing. Many people are running to sports games. People are running to entertainment. People are running to money. People are running to addictions like drugs, alcohol, gambling, or people are running to someone. Single people thinking, if I could just get married, all my problems will go away. Trust me. (laughs) Has nothing to do with you. (laughs) Trust me. you're going to have a whole new set of problems. Your problems and somebody else's problems. And if you have kids, you got their problems. If you have six kids, you got eight problems. <laughs> a multiplication. Or people want to run to some place. Let's move to Florida. That's my famous, favorite, favorite one. Let's move to Florida. It's warm all the time. It costs less to live. Yeah, it costs less to live, but you're only making $8 an hour. I think what's in the back of people's heads is, but it's warm there. Even if I don't have a house, I could just sleep on the beach. But everybody that goes to Florida that I say, you'll be back. They're like Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're back. (laughs) It's not just Florida. It's, you know, any warm weather state. And I'm not saying that God never calls you to do that. Come on. That's not what I'm saying. But if you think that going to a place is going to get rid of your problems, you're wrong because guess what's going with you to the place? You and your problems. (laughs) Or we run to something. If I just could have the bigger house. If I could just have the better car. You got the bigger house, you got to spend more money to fix it up. (laughs) Every time, you know. When we moved, anytime we moved, her eyes were always bigger than my stomach, if you know what I'm saying. I don't know if I could stomach this. Then again, she always won this. So this is a bad illustration. Here's my point. Going to something is not going to satisfy you. If you're not running to Jesus, you're running to nothing. As a matter of fact, you're just running in the rat race. How I many of you sometimes feel like you're just running in a rat race? How many of you, when you were kids, you had a hamster? You are a kid. How many of you have hamsters? I don't like hamsters. I don't like anything smaller than a cat that runs around. I don't like it. I don't want it around me. How many of you like that? Like, if there was a little thing running around this church, I'd be the first one out that door. tell you right now. My daughters moved to New York, and all of a sudden, they said, we have mice. I was like, talk to your mother, man. I don't want to know nothing about these mice. I don't want to see these mice. I don't want to know nothing. I don't care. You know, when we had a little mouse in our house, like a real trap, like, where you going to see the mouse? Uh-uh. I want one of them things. You don't see it. You don't hear it. It's, it's gone. And you know when we found out? There's no such trap. I don't like little... I thought hamsters was what they made ham out of. I didn't know what a hamster was. All I knew is I didn't want it in my house. But what do those hamsters do that you have? What do they do? They run on a wheel, right? They get nowhere. Who here has a hamster running on a wheel? I want to tell you something. None of you? So that was like a 70s, 80s thing where you got you get a hamster. Now you got to get them something more expensive, right? Okay. Let me tell you something about a hamster that you might not know. Do you know how much running a hamster does every night, if it can? Five miles. It's the truth. So I'm wondering why they so fat if they're running five miles a night. If I ran five miles a night, I'd be skinny. Little hamster, you're still a fat little thing. But it runs on that wheel and it goes nowhere. Are you running in circles? Guess what happens when you run around for nothing for a long time? You get tired. Anybody here tired? Maybe you've been running in the same thing, the same mess, the same insecurity, the same, you know, the marriage the way it is, those same kids. Uh... (laughs) But you're just, you know, you're tired. Anybody here ever get tired? I get weary. I get weary sometimes. You know what? Seven years ago now, I lose track of time now. When you get older, sometimes you lose track of time. I keep saying I got saved 27 years ago, but now it's 37. I, I, I don't even want to. <laughs> you know what? Like everybody that I know in church, like if they've been here for 10 years, I think, think they're still that age, you know? I keep still think Steve Lawn's like 30. I think he's like 45 or something. It's just... <laughs> If I don't pick on Steve at least once a service, it's not a usual service. (laughs) But anyway, just kidding. But um, you know how you just lose track? You know, but I was on Wall Street. Now, the real truth is I was on Wall Street for 23, 24 years, I guess it is. I don't know. Um, It changes every service. But I was there for a really long time. And in 2007, I was tired. I was tired of doing the same old. At the same time I was pastoring, but I got tired of running that race. I got weary. So I I left. I left a lot of money on the table. I could have been getting paid a a lot more money right now, but I just got tired of it. You know, sometimes you're just spinning your wheels. I realize I'm just spinning my wheels. God has something better for me. And here it is. It's you. I love you. you. I really do. Jeremiah 12.5. You got to love people to be a pastor. Because people will let you down. But you got to come back and love them every, at least every Sunday. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) This is what the Lord told Jeremiah, because Jeremiah got weary about men. He said, if racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? You know... (laughs) Listen to me. You can't run after these things and be accepted before God. God's saying if you get tired of this, if you think that you can run fast enough and do enough to earn your way into heaven, you are sorely mistaken. If you think running with mere people that are running on feet is something, try to run with horses. You're not strong enough. You're not good enough. You never win that way. You know what that is? That's Religion, that's religion, thinking you can do it, that you can run good enough to get to heaven. You can't. Nobody's good enough. People will go, I go, why are you going to heaven? Because I'm good. No, you're not. There's somebody better than you. There's always somebody better. So where does the dividing line come that you're good enough to go to heaven? Well, I don't know. The Apostle Paul wrote most of the Bible, and he killed Christians. And he actually, before he, he, before he even died, he got to experience heaven. He was a murderer. So those of you that think somehow your goodness is going to get to heaven, you are sorely mistaken. It says here that the, woman got, the women got up early to spice up the dead body of Jesus. You know what they did? They got up early to finish a funeral and a burial. They came to spice up something that was dead. The angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? That's Luke 24, 5. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Remember what he said to you? Let me ask you a question. Do you, do you try to spice up your dead religion? You know, it's like on Easter, everybody gets dressed up all of a sudden. <laughs> and that's wonderful. That's fantastic. But are some people just looking to spice up a dead religion? Are some people looking to spice up an emptiness? You know, just, it's Easter. We got to go to church. Why? Why? If you're not coming for what he says, then you're running on empty. They were going to spice up a dead body. Are you going to spice up a dead religion? There's a lot of churches that are dead. There's a lot of churches that are dead because the word isn't preached and people aren't taking a stand for the word and the Holy Spirit isn't moving, and the worship is dead, I don't care how dressed up you get, that's dead. Think about that. No matter what you do, no matter how you dress, no matter if you get there early, it doesn't matter. It's all about running to him. Here's what they said. You seek the living among the dead. Remember what he said to you. Some of you, God spoke to you years ago and you were supposed to do something for him and you forgot and you ran away and you didn't do what you were called to do. Or some of you, you went to church and God touched your heart and you didn't come back. You forgot what he said. Listen, God speaks to you every day, every minute. Don't forget. Run to him. Have you forgotten everything that he's promised you? Did he die on the cross for nothing? When you get sick, do you say, by his stripes I'm healed? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead can raise me. When you get lonely or empty or depressed, do you say, you know what? Jesus died for me so I wouldn't have to feel this way. Fill my heart with your love and your peace, God. When you're broke in a joke, do you say, you know what? Jesus died on the cross so I wouldn't have to suffer poverty. Do you remember what he did for you? Or is it just going through the motions again? Get dressed up once a year or twice a year, spice up a dead body and go home. The angel said, why are you looking for life? Among deadness, have you forgotten why he died for you? He told the disciples exactly what was going to happen. Go to uh, the next scripture, Matthew 16, 21. This is before Jesus died, but close to when he was going to go to the cross. And it says that he began to tell them plainly. What does plainly mean? (laughs) Very simple, straightforward. No parables, no look over here, my hand's moving here. Plainly, that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the priests, and the teachers. He would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. He told them, and I, I can't even put all the scriptures up, where he told them, this is what's going to happen So here they are. He's crucified. It's the third day, and they're going to embalm his body because they forgot what he said. But you want to know something funny? Put up the next scripture. Those same religious leaders that killed him, they remembered. (laughs) On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees, this is the day that Jesus was put into the tomb right away. They said, we remember why he was still alive, how he said, after three days, I'll rise. Therefore, it was only the second night that he was going to be in there. or not, The first night, they said, um, right now, we need to seal this tomb. Until the third day, until the day he said he was going to come out. And so they sealed it. They put guards there because they said, lest the disciples come and steal his body. And then they can say he rose again. You know how I know they didn't steal Jesus' body out of the tomb? I used to be a burglar. It's the truth. Not anymore. Years, years, years ago, decades millenniums okay before i got saved i did much worse so that's low on the list if they were going to steal his body they surely would have taken his clothes because they were fine linen the most valuable thing in there was the fine linen so they wouldn't have left it there it says that it says that his clothes were literally it was like it was like he had just went through the clothes. And the thing that was wrapped there on his head just went flat right there. And the other stuff, just just as if he had disintegrated into thin air. But they sealed it because they, even they, remembered. Religion looks to kill miracles. (laughs) Religion will kill a miracle every day. When somebody tells you God can heal you, and then some church person says, Well, I don't know if that's really in the scriptures. (laughs) Or when they say, You know, a drug addict, high school dropout can start a church in North Brunswick, and it can explode, and people can get saved like crazy there. They say, Well, I don't know if that's proper the way he did it.
1: (laughs) Who the heck cares? cares?
0: Somebody's got to do it. Religion tries to snuff out miracles. They were like, we can't have this. We can't have this. We got to seal this thing. That's what he said. Listen, don't run to religion. Don't run to religion. Finally, are you running away? Are you running away? Mary went with the other women, but before she could get into the tomb, she ran away. People run away from God all the time. It's so funny because usually when they run, it's like right before God was about to do something great in their life. I can't tell you how many times you know one of my leaders would say, like, hey, was Jimmy there? Was you know Karen there for that service? Because that was exactly what they needed to hear. And I'll go, no, they they left. They're they're not coming back. They ran away. You might be running from the greatest day of your life. Here's the funny thing: a lot of people who say they believe in God, when things are going good, they go to church pray, they praise. Then when something bad happens, they run. I'm like, why are you leaving now? The worst trial of your life and you're not coming to God's house for God's miraculous power? I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. When I was broke, and that was like a bunch of times, Uh, (laughs) but I was... the worst things would get for me. You could ask my wife. I would go to more meetings. I would go to meetings. I I I drive to a meeting. I go to this wherever is there a meeting. I gotta be there because God wants to talk to me. I need His help because with Him on my side, I can't lose. So why would I run from Him now? Look what happened. Here's what happened with Mary, everybody. She's going with the other ladies. She's like, oh, the tomb's open. Let me run and go tell them. The the other ladies, they go finish business. How many of you ladies are the ones that finish business? Business got to get done. I know some of you between the first and second service, you went home and put a roast on, didn't you? Come on. Shout hallelujah. You know you did it. I know you did it. I saw you walk out. Woo! Some people are double dipping today, by the way, just to let you know. Mark 16, 7 says this. After she left, the other women went in, and the angel said, tell his disciples of Peter that he's going to into Gal- Galilee, and you'll see him there. Oh, my gosh. So Mary ran away. The next thing you know, the angels told them exactly what they needed to hear, that Jesus is alive. He's going to be in Galilee, just like he said to you. So she missed it because she left. But God has a plan in everything. Amen. So don't run in circles like a hamster. Don't run to religion. And don't run away. Run to Jesus. He is alive. Now, if he isn't alive, don't run to him. But I'm here to tell you, he's alive. He's alive in my life. He's alive in my family. He's alive in my church. Amen. He's real. And if you don't want to meet him now, I promise you, you're going to
1: meet him later.
0: (laughs) This life is short. You don't know if you have the end of this service. He could come back. You don't know if you'll live to tomorrow. But I promise you, whether you know him now or not, you're going to meet him later. And you don't want to be one that he says, I never knew you. So, if you <laughs> I'm not mad. Okay. So, if you run to him, you'll never say never. never. You'll never be disappointed. Why? Because his love never fails. It never fails. So let's look at this quickly as we close up here about the people that ran to him. It says in verse 4 of John 20 that they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. So Peter and John, they're both running. Yeah, they're running. You know, if my wife was running with them, they'd have a tough time beating her, you know, because she's always got to win. But um, they're running, you know, and uh, it seems like maybe something was weighing Peter down a little bit. You know what? Peter was running with an 800-pound gorilla on his back. You know why? Because he was the first one to say, Jesus, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, on that revelation, I'm going to build my church. Your name is the rock. The hell will not prevail against the church. Peter, you're the man. A little while later, Jesus gets arrested. 13-year-old girl comes up to Peter at whatever age she was. And he goes, I never, I, I never knew him. Denied Jesus three times. So here we have Mary coming to them saying, something's going on, guys. The tomb's open. Peter and John are running. I can't help but think that Peter was running and all of a sudden he was like, oh my God. Is he alive? Is he not alive? What have I done? His guilt and his shame weighed him down. Do you ever carry baggage that just weighs you down? Guilt. I'm not good enough. God's mad at me. I can't help think Peter ran and he got weary. I can't help think, but his heart was wrenched in two directions. Like, I failed him. Does he really want to see me? Do I really want to see him? And that keeps so many people from running to God. They think they're not good enough. Or they think that he doesn't have enough forgiveness for them. You know what? 28 years ago, 2 in the morning. I ran to God because I had nowhere else to run. I was either going to take my own life. Something had to happen. My brother had given me a Bible. I ran to it. And I met my Savior. I met my Lord. And you know what? He wasn't mad at me. He wasn't mad at me. As a matter of fact that better not be. You know what? That's probably God. That's probably God. Don't tell him to leave a message. Say I'll call him right back. But I ran to him, and I wasn't disappointed. I'm living my dream, because at the last moment on this earth, when I was run out of running full of guilt and shame, I ran to somebody who said, I'm not mad at you, Joe. I love you just the way you are. I don't care what you've done from this day forward. You're mine. You're mine. And I had done a lot. But I'll tell you what, there's people here that have done more and worse. And you know what? God loves you more. Look at this. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith defends, depends from start to finish. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew. Now he is seated at the place of highest honor beside God's throne in heaven. Jesus isn't dead, people. He isn't in a tomb. He's not in Jerusalem. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. That's where my Jesus is because that's what the word says, and I believe the word, and that's where he is, and he's forever praying for us. Those of us that have put our faith and trust in him, he is praying for us. I want you to see something about Peter, though they both ran, right? John got there first. And it says that John, when he got near the tomb, it says he, now we were in Israel, we saw the the tomb, and it looks pretty much like probably it is the real tomb. But it says that he stooped down, and he looked in. John didn't go in. He stopped, and he stooped down. But of course, Peter, we know Peter, right? Peter has his highs, and Peter has his lows. Peter's a little emotional. How many of you are like, Peter? When I raise two hands and a foot, that means everything. I'm Peter. How many of you know, like, you see yourself in Peter? You know what Peter did? Peter, of course, went in. Peter went in. He dared to go in. It was also Peter who got out of the boat and walked on the water. It was also Peter that said, You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. So everyone has their different gifts. So let's not look at Peter like he's any less than John, even though I think John might think so. But um, Peter dared to go in because forgiveness will cause you to run further. You know that? (laughs) He ran further because he felt like, everything I've done, what do I got to lose? I'll go in. I'll go in. And here's what Peter dared to go in because forgiveness will make you go further. And here's, I want to talk a little bit about John in a second. Mark 16.6 says. Can we put up Mark 6, next scripture? Hallelujah. There we go. It's a little button there called enter. You just hit that. I just love to have fun with them up there. There's nine Christians up there trying to put a slide up. How many Christians does it take to put... Oh, they're giving me a look now. I love (laughs) you. Actually, now some of them are hiding. You know, know, like when something bad technically goes on and I, you know, I, I get this exorcist look, I go... They all go like this. Like there's an elevator back there and they duck. You know what? Here's the thing about Peter. He ran to him. Peter had all these feelings. Peter was in a bad place. But here's what happened for Peter. It says that when the women entered the tomb, the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter. his disciples, and Alicia. Go tell his disciples and Todd. The angels mentioned his name. So Peter left, goes back. He's not feeling real good. He doesn't know what's happened to Jesus. He's full of guilt and shame. Probably when he was running, he was like, I don't even know if I want to run to this tomb because I don't even know if I want to see Jesus because I feel so bad about what I did. And then the the girls come back and say, here's what the angel said to go tell his disciples and specifically Peter. He called them by name. God knows you by name. He loves you. He forgives you. Peter's heart must have just fell right out of his body. He, he said my name. He, he didn't say John's name. didn't say Matthew's name. He didn't say anybody else's name but me. I'm sure that the strength got back into Peter like never before. Like, wow, he said my name. He loves me. I can go into his presence. When you run to him, his love never fails. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's look at John. So Peter ran. Oh, I just got an Italian hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was like, hallelujah, Marinera, hallelujah. <laughs> Let me get a Latin hallelujah. hallelujah. <laughs> there we go, hallelujah. Can I get a Filipino hallelujah? hallelujah. <laughs> Can I get a Jamaican hallelujah? Hallelujah. Oh. Yeah, that's what
1: I'm talking about.
0: (laughs) Let's go back to John 20, verse 2.
1: Peter ran.
0: John ran faster. Peter ran. John ran faster. Verse 2. Then she ran, came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. What? This is a book written by John. Oh, this, this John. Something else, this John, right? She ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they laid him. So John references himself, the disciple that Jesus loved. My kids all think that they're... My wife's favorite. This is Latoria And the text. We had the family text. Your favorite's coming home. <laughs> then my other daughter. I'm the favorite. <laughs> then my son from Australia. You all know who the favorite is. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you who the favorite is. His name is Joshua. Because when it's dinner time, Joshua has four hamburgers, two hot dogs, I'm not exaggerating, and a plate of fries. And I go, oh, honey, where's mine? I'm making you this little piece of fish <laughs> and uh, a really nice vegetable. You're going to be so happy. No, I'm not. I want the hamburgers. I want the fries. I want the cat. All piled up. Mine, you can't, you need like a magnifying glass. Where is it? What is it? <laughs> That's the favorite right there. John 13, 23. John says in 1323. <clears throat> says one of them, see, this is something he says a lot. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining. Next to him. So at the Last Supper, when John talks about it, he goes, the disciple that Jesus loved was just leaning into his bosom. Oh. Talking about himself. John. So then John chapter 19, this is John's book again. When Jesus saw his mother there when he was on the cross, he says, and the disciple whom Jesus loves. It's John again. And Jesus said, My mother now, you're taking care of my mother. Man. Wow. I think Jesus wrote this song. I mean, I think John wrote this song. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible I wrote tells me so. I think he wrote that song. That song is written by John. Because the Bible tells me, yeah, you wrote it. The one he loves. So they ran together, it says in verse 4, and the other disciple, who's that again? John, outran Peter. So John is a little faster. Listen, when you get to heaven, how many of you are good runners here? I want you to challenge John to a race. Where's the apostle John? We're about to have a race. Think you're so fast. You think Jesus just loves you. Let's go. But I'm here to tell you this right now, people. Here's why I believe that John was able to outrun him. Because he was comfortable and he was assured of God's love for him. Man, when you know that God loves you, you can run with no weights. The hardest thing for us as Christians and non-Christians is to realize that God loves us. His love will make you run. He'll make you run like with no hindrances. He will make you run. God's love will make you run. And you'll run like this. It says in Psalm 35, 9, you'll run loose and free. Celebrating God's great work, every bone in your body laughing, singing, God, there's none like you. You just got to start running, people. You just got to start running. You see that? That's John running. That could be you running. Yeah, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Let's start running like that. Now, you wouldn't (laughs) believe it if I told you. That I could run like that. That day on, if I was going somewhere, I was running. Go ahead, John, take off. Leave me your dust. Yeah, baby, there he goes. I'm running to Jesus. (laughs) That's how you gotta run. That's how you gotta run. And when you run like that, everything that's holding you back will break off of you. All the insecurity, all the I'm not good enough will fall by the wayside, and you'll run loose, and you'll run free. Celebrating what? God's great work. What is that? That Jesus rose from the dead, singing, God, there's none like you. Wow, I love it. (laughs) John stooped down. He looked in. He saw the linen cloths yet he didn't go in. Simon Peter, following him, went into the tomb, and he saw the clothes lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw, this is talking about John, and he believed. John only ran faster Now, this word here, that he saw, the word he saw is used three times in John chapter 20, verses 1 through 8. The first time it said that Mary saw. The second time it says that John peeked in and saw. That's the Greek word bleepo, which means simple sight. Like just that you saw something. Okay? The next time the word saw is used, it's when Peter went into the tomb. It's the Greek word theoreo, okay? And that word means not just seeing, but surveying. Looking attentively, surveying, taking account of what they see. But finally, the word used for John when it says he went in and he saw is the Greek word eidō, which means this, to see and to perceive and to know and to believe. John, what he saw because of the love of God was he remembered what, God, what Jesus said and he believed it. See, because when you know that God loves you, you'll believe everything. When you know God loves you, you believe it all. You don't even question it. He loves me. He's got me on his mind. The Bible says in Psalms that God's thoughts towards each one of you is more than every grain of sand on every beach in the world. Okay. Come back in a couple months and tell me that you figured that out. Finally, I don't want to leave Mary alone. Mary ran, but guess what? She ran away, but guess what she did? She ran back. She ran back. Everybody say she ran back. Look at this. Look at this in John chapter 20, verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb. So right after Peter and John ran to the tomb, remember, Mary ran to them, told them, then they ran. Guess who had to have run with them? Mary. Mary was a track star. She ran out, got them. Mary ran back. So she stood. So then Peter and John, they leave, and she stayed. She ran back, and she stayed. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels while sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Mary's there alone. And she sees two angels, and the angel, one of them says, why are you weeping? She said, because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. I'm going to tell you here right now. Mary was in some state right now. It says that Mary got up when it was dark, so maybe 4.35 in the morning. I did too today, so. (laughs) I know how Mary feels. Then Mary went with the women to take care of her dead Savior. So she's in a a real depressed mood. She gets there. The stone's gone. She doesn't know what's happened. She runs, tells Peter and John. They come back. She's heard nothing. She's seen nothing. And now Peter and John leave. So she just stays. You know how I know she was in the place? She's by herself, and she sees two angels, and she acts like they're just a couple of people hanging out. Normally, when you see angels, you're by yourself. You're like, whoa, what have I done? (laughs) Did I do something? It doesn't even say she didn't even get alarmed. She just talked back to them. Because when you're in a place like that, you just need Jesus. Mary just loved to be around Jesus. What was bothering her the most is that she wasn't with Jesus, and it says that she told them, "They've taken away my Lord. I don't know where he is." And then she turns around, and this guy's talking to her. It's the gardener, and he. Go- she says this to the gardener, "Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where he is, so I can carry him back, or I can carry him away." What, who are you, the Incredible hope Now, Mary,
1: you're going to carry a
0: 200-pound human being? Mary was all out of sorts. All she cared about was being with Jesus. That's all she cared about. And you know what? She was the first one there, and she was the last one out. And some of you are Marys here. You're the first one here, and sometimes you're the last one out. And you go and you you tell people about Jesus, and you you tell people to come, and, and, and they come to church, And sometimes you're just like, I I just need, I just need God. I need him for me. If you run back, he'll never disappoint you. Look what happens. In verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni. She was the first one there and the last one out, but she was the first one to see. You got to run back to him. You got to, you can't just go to church on Easter and inspect. You might run away and never hear from him. She heard his voice. Isaiah 40, 31 says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not. As tired as Mary was and as worn out as she was, when she heard Jesus say her name, her strength came back to her. What are you running to? What are you running from? I'm here to tell you, if you don't run to Jesus, you're running to nothing. Because there's nothing else that will satisfy your heart. Just bow our heads together right now. Hmm. Some of you have never run to him before, but maybe today you heard his voice. If you died tonight, what would happen to you? Would you see Jesus for the first time? Would it be, I didn't even know who you were? Or would it be like Mary who heard his voice and knew exactly who it was when she heard his voice? Do you know God's voice? Are you able to see what God is doing here on the earth? It says, Jesus said that to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. To enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. So I say to you here right now, if you died, are you 100% sure you would spend eternity in heaven? If not... Say this prayer on Easter Sunday. This is why Jesus rose. This is why he went to the cross. He did it for you. So just say this prayer with me. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sins. Three days later, he rose again. That I could have a new life. I'm tired of running and getting tired. I'm running to you now. Come into my heart. heart. Change my life today. today. Amen. Amen. Everybody keep your eyes closed, your head now for a second. Just out of respect to the person next to you. If you said that prayer the first time or the fifth time or the tenth time, it doesn't matter. I said it 20 times. But if you meant it, you want to give your heart to the Lord today. You want your life to be changed starting now, Easter 2015. That's you. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Okay. Amen. Okay. Every one of you that raise your hand, just stand up where you are. Stand up. Be bold. Stand up. Come on. Who else? Alright, just come forward right now. Just come. Come on up here. Come on up here. Don't be shy. come on. Come on.
1: Come on, come on, come on. I think
0: you could do better than that. So I want to pray for you right now. Listen, I want want you to know something, everybody here. This is why we do this, for people to give their heart to Jesus. Two people this morning, two people now. You know what it says in the Word? It says that God and his angels rejoice when one person does this. When two, when two do, it's a party. Can you just stand to your feet with me as we pray over them right now? And after we pray, I want to invite you, before I release you to go home, that if you need prayer for anything, we will be up here to pray for you. But let's just pray for these people right here. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. For that their lives are changed today they will hear your voice and that when they need you they will run to you show yourself strong in their behalf heal them, deliver them set them free we pray in Jesus name, amen everybody happy Resurrection Sunday remember, run in his love know that he loves you run in that, if you need prayer we'll be up here to pray for you For the next five or ten minutes. Otherwise, make sure you tell everybody something good is coming their way today.